I'm Austin Fontanella, and you're listening to Understanding Cancer, a podcast from Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. In this episode, we're discussing the practice of meditation. Cancer and other health conditions not only affect the body physically, they can also carry a major emotional impact. While the main focus for many patients is treating the cancer itself and the accompanying side effects, it's also crucial to address your mental health. While there are many ways to do this, meditation and mindfulness can be effective tools. But how exactly does meditation work and where should you start if you've never tried it before? Or perhaps you have tried but felt it just wasn't working for one reason or another. To learn more about a technique that's practiced by millions of people worldwide, we're talking with Dr. Patricia Akari, Program Manager for Meditation and Mindfulness at Dana-Farber's Leonard P. Zakem Center for Integrative Therapies and Healthy Living. Dr. Akari, thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. Let's just get right into it right now. Can you explain to everybody what exactly is meditation? So meditation is actually referred to as a mental discipline. At the Zakem Center, we use it as a mind-body therapy. It's an intervention that allows you to begin to get a sense for the effects of the mind on the rest of the body. So it's a basic two-step process that has many different applications. So the basic steps for any meditation practice is, number one, you develop a focus. You identify a focus. So most people are familiar with using the breath as the first step in how you meditate. And so the breath becomes that place where you are literally asking your mind to to rest in, to focus on. It becomes the place where you anchor your attention. And so in this practice of meditation, we continue to keep the focus on the breath to avoid the mind wandering off. So the second step in a meditation practice is when you notice that the mind is doing its thing, that it has wandered off that place of focus, then you gently, without giving yourself a hard time, just escort your attention back to that place of focus. Now, meditation as a discipline was originally brought to this country from the Buddhists in the East. And the Buddhists actually identify many different points of potential focus, many different places that we could anchor our attention. And they say that anything that's based in the senses is a great place to be paying attention. So that can mean your breath, That can mean how the body feels as you're breathing. You can also use the sense of hearing as a place to anchor your attention. So many people use sound, either music or bowls or mantras. So that sound becomes the place where you're simply paying attention. And when you notice that the mind wanders away from hearing the sound, you say, oh, There I am thinking, and you bring it back to the focus on sound. You can also use awareness of the body as a whole. So that's why yoga and tai chi and qigong are considered forms of meditation because you're taking your focus, you're paying attention to the body as it's moving in the practices. 
And when you notice that you're not paying attention to the body, your postures, if you feel like, you know, you sort of fall out of the position, you say, oh, my mind wandered away. It took me away from this focus on the posture. I need to bring the focus back. Another point of focus can be sight, that sense of sight visually. Many people choose to use a candle or a piece of artwork or a religious statue where they simply fix their attention on seeing what's in front of them. And when they notice that the mind has wandered away, they come back to that sense of seeing. So anything that we are paying attention to other than thinking can be a place of meditation. And when we pull our attention away from thinking, that's what actually creates the physiologic relaxation that is the main benefit of meditation for beginning practitioners. Well, and you mentioned the, there's many places of focus, but I feel like every time I've ever thought or heard about meditation, it's all about the breathing. Is that just because that's an easier place to start? Absolutely. Everybody breathes, right? Everybody carries breath with them. It's a very concrete anchor for attention. You can absolutely tell the difference between feeling your breath versus thinking about what's on your desk when you go back to work, right? That yeah. distinction between feeling breath but being caught in thought is very stark and concrete and allows people to notice when they are paying attention versus lost in thought. Absolutely. Now, I know when we read your title, you are the program manager for meditation and mindfulness. What is the difference between those two and why is it important to have them both in the title? That's such a great question because it's something that people wonder about all the time, and we actually do have to spend a little time distinguishing. One of my first teachers was a physiologist down at the University of Massachusetts. His name was John Kabat-Zinn, and uh, he actually was responsible for bringing mindfulness into healthcare as an intervention to help people manage their stress, feel a sense of relaxation, and really develop clarity and insight and experiences of positive emotions. So anyway, Kabat-Zinn distinguishes mindfulness into two categories. Informally, mindfulness means that you are taking this sense of attention and you are moving it into all the activities of your daily life. So remember when we were talking about meditation, we said that we need to focus yeah. on something sense-based? Well, mindfulness is about focusing too, but it's about focusing on all of those moment-to-moment, day-to-day activities that we're involved in. So it's paying attention to everything that's happening in your life as you're moving forward. So let me ask you, Austin, this morning, what did you notice when you woke up? Uh, that it was cold. <laughs> it was cold. Right. So you were bringing mindfulness into your life by noticing that experience of feeling cold. You could also notice the appearance of sun much earlier now, right? The sun is coming up at 6.15. So we're able to see sunrise. You might be able to notice, what did you have for breakfast? Oatmeal. I don't Oatmeal. know if that's a great breakfast. But did you taste it? <laughs> I did. I you did. did. So you were bringing mindfulness into your breakfast. It's about paying attention in the moment 
to what you're doing versus letting your thoughts go into things that are not happening in the moment. So can I ask, did you notice maybe as you were eating your oatmeal, were you wondering about what your commute might be like on your way to work? I did. You did. I did. You got me. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're thinking about the commute, then you probably weren't tasting the oatmeal. No. Right? So mindfulness is this quality that allows us to really experience the fullness of life, the joys, the everyday pleasures that are always part of our lives, but we're just not paying attention to them because we're caught up in our thoughts. So mindfulness is sort of this application of meditation, but in a moment-to-moment, day-to-day way with all of our activities, not just that sitting down or spending 20 minutes in an an activity that's structured like meditation. So it almost seems mindfulness, without even realizing it, you're probably practicing or at least the fringes of it already. Only when you make the decision to pay attention to what's happening in your day-to-day life. Unfortunately, if you ever stop and look at where your mind is at, most of the time, it's not in the present moment. Most of the time, we're either anticipating what's next, we're in the future, thinking about what your commute is or what's on your laptop or you know what you have to do when you get to work, or you're caught in thinking about the past, that conversation that I had with my mother yesterday, or that great shirt that I saw in the store window, right? Your mind is usually not in this moment, but spends most of its time thinking about what's next or what happened before. So mindfulness is a skill that needs to be cultivated because of the mind's natural tendency to want to go other places. So is it important to then kind of mix meditation with mindfulness? Or how do you kind of start from there? How do you work those two together? So the daily practice of meditation gives you the experience of what it means to be paying attention. It gives you the relaxation. It gives you the ability to really notice if your mind has wandered and come back. It gives you that opportunity to experience a sense of calm when you're just anchored on that focus, right? So I like to think of it as it's the thing that reminds me every morning that I need to be paying attention, not just while I'm sitting in my meditation practice, but to take that sense of attention into everything that I'm doing. Because when I'm paying attention and in the moment, no matter what I'm doing, I do get those same benefits of relaxation and calm and joy. There's another teacher by the name of Thich Nhat Hanh who says that everything that happens in our lives has the ability to bring joy. Everything is a miracle when we stop and pay attention to it. But the thing is, we don't pay attention. And so we're not experiencing those benefits. Meditation is the daily practice that reminds you to pay attention throughout all of your day so that instead of living in a stress response, feeling anxious, we can come to rest in this place of calm and positivity that the present moment has to give us. So it doesn't sound like meditation has to be spiritual or completely structured for you to get benefit from it. Right, no. There are many different kinds of meditation that can elicit this mind-body phenomena of relaxation. It's just a matter of finding a strategy that resonates with you. So 
if you are an exerciser, let's say, maybe you want to choose a meditation that's body-based. Maybe you want to use yoga or tai chi as your meditation. If you are someone who has a deeply spiritual root, maybe you want to use a religious word or a phrase to ground your meditation practice. If you are someone who really loves the arts, you can use music as that door into meditation. There are lots of different ways to um, cultivate this practice in your life. And if I can, in our mind-body programs at Dana-Farber, we do introduce patients to many different ways to meditate because it's not about doing it the way that someone tells you you need to do it. It's about finding the way that feels best for you because ultimately you're only going to do this practice if it feels comfortable for you, right? And meditation only works if you use it regularly, right? So anything that's going to allow you to create the discipline of daily practice is what you want to find so that you make sure that the practice stays grounded in your life in a regular way. And that's when you see the benefits. Meditation only works to the degree that you use it regularly. Is there like one tip or one exercise you give people who are completely new to this practice that just want to try it and, you know, go from there? The breath is usually the go-to first place where we introduce people who are new to the practice to meditation. So I don't know if you're wanting to do... I think well, we could end with end with one of sure, those sure, um, but sure, sure. for those breaths. But how long should each meditation session be? I mean, is there rules or restrictions that you should be following with this? Unfortunately, we don't have research yet that sort of quantifies in a dose-dependent relationship how much meditation will produce a certain outcome. But sort of general guidelines that we use is twenty minutes. And 20 minutes can feel like an eternity, or 20 minutes can feel like something that passes really quickly. The point of it is to just be with whatever you're experiencing in those 20 minutes and allowing it to unfold and knowing that whatever happens during those 20 minutes, you're doing it right just by setting the intention to pay attention. So 20 minutes as a general guideline. The second, again, important guideline is to attempt to create a daily practice. So how do you introduce this new behavior of meditation into your life in a daily way? That's a challenge. Sometimes we say that it can be stressful to take a stress management class because we're going to ask you to create this new behavior, right? To find 20 minutes in the course of a life that's already really busy to fit meditation in. So a good way to begin to create this new behavior is to experiment in the course of your day when it most easily fits and then anchor it to that time and place. So for me, when I first started meditating, I would anchor my meditation to my shower. So I'd get up, get in the shower, and then after my shower, I would sit and meditate. And that worked for a really long time until I had kids and didn't necessarily have the chance to get a shower. So then I had to shift my practice to a time that did work in the context of my life. So again, step number two, most important, figure out a way that meditation is going to fit into the context of your day-to-day life so it becomes something that you do every day, just like taking a shower or brushing your teeth. And what are some of the benefits that people can get from practicing this every day? So I think the benefits break down into three categories. The first is that sense of relaxation, or literally the physiology of relaxation. Many people start to meditate in response to the stressors in their lives, especially here at Dana-Farber. This meditation 
strategy is something that people rely on to cope with the stressors of their illness. Meditation as a discipline actually works physiologically to induce a state of relaxation in the body. When we're stressed, the body goes into fight or flight. When we meditate, the body moves into relaxation response, which literally creates a calming of the body. That's the first benefit. The second benefit of meditation that accrues over time is you begin to develop insight into how your mind works. Our minds are constantly thinking, but that thought is occurring just below the level of conscious awareness. That can create real damage for us emotionally and physically because the brain is the place where we create stress. The brain perceives some sort of a threat. And again, with our cancer patients, a threat to our physical well-being, to our emotional well-being. And those thoughts of threat create that physiology of fight or flight that can cause physical damage. Over time, with continuing practice, we come to sort of make friends with that mind, to notice when the mind is taking us to those places that are creating the feeling of threat. And when we can see the thoughts as they're coming up, we're in a position to say, ah, no, that's not real. That's not true. I'm not going to experience something really horrible. It's just my mind worrying about it. So the second benefit of the meditation practice is to give you a little window into the thinking mind that allows you to let go of those thoughts that are irrational and distorted and move into thoughts that are more positive and reflective of of reality. And then the third benefit of the practice over time is that we really can choose to be in this place inside that is the source of peace and well-being and joy and love and all of those positive emotions that we want to be experiencing. They're all inside. Meditation helps us find that way in. I mean, you make it sound so easy. I don't know. What about if you've tried it before and you're like, I just don't get it. I, I can't do it. What do you tell those people? Another teacher, Kevitzin, you say all the time, it's simple. It's a simple practice, but it's not easy because you're coming face to face with a thinking mind. If you're new to meditation, that's just been used to doing what it wants to do. The mind was designed to think. So what you're trying to do is not necessarily to stop it from thinking, but to choose the place where you're focusing, when you notice that you moved into thinking, you acknowledge the thoughts, but then from this place of insight and ability to control what happens in our heads, we bring the focus back. So that's why, again, we introduce so many different ways to meditate because inevitably you'll find a way that works for you. And if you notice that, you know, you've tried one way, you've tried the breath, but your mind is just out of control, you can deal with it in one of two ways. You can say, I'm finally coming to understand what's happening in my mind. I'm going to not give myself a hard time. I'm just going to look at this, learn from it, and keep coming back to my breath focus. Or, you know, the breath's just not working for me. Let me see if I can try yoga and use my body as a focus. Maybe sound meditation is most helpful. Maybe I can use Tibetan singing bowls as my point of focus. Maybe it's nature focusing visually on what you're experiencing that can anchor your attention. There are many different ways to meditate. The most important ingredient is your intention, your desire to do so. The more you practice, the easier it becomes, but you need to make that commitment. 
Now, just to end the podcast, would you mind kind of taking us through a quick meditation session? I don't know, just to give people an idea of what they should be looking for. Sure, sure, sure. So as we begin this meditation practice, I'm going to ask you to just let your feet connect to the floor so that your feet are firmly anchored on the floor. And just take your sense of attention your focus, and move it down into the bottoms of your feet. So what you're focusing on now is just those feelings that are here in the bottoms of your feet as you begin to notice this connection with possibly your shoes or the feeling of the floor beneath you, that support that the floor is providing to your body as it's sitting now. Shift your attention up from the bottoms of your feet and just begin to notice the feelings that are present in your thighs now. And take your hands and place them palms down on your thighs. And as you're focusing on your thighs now, you might begin to notice sensations of warmth. You might feel a sense of tingling. Just allow those sensations that are here now in your thighs to be the place where you're paying attention. So you're not thinking about your thighs, but you're simply being with the feelings that are here right now in your thighs. And now if you haven't already, allow your eyes to gently close and take that sense of attention and move it even more deeply into your body so that you're just beginning to notice your breathing, becoming aware of your in-breath and feeling your out-breath. And if you notice that your mind jumps in, it happens for us all. If you notice that you're caught in thinking, it's okay. Just gently, without giving yourself a hard time, Label that thinking and then escort your attention back to feeling this breath. Breathing in now, I calm my body. Breathing out now, I smile. Dwelling in this present moment with this breath just as I am. This is a wonderful moment. And as we come to the end of this breath-focused meditation, just begin to bring yourself back to a sense once again of sitting here in your chair feeling your body as a whole, maybe wiggling your toes and shaking out your fingers a bit. And when you feel ready, gently open your eyes. Well, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And what was that experience like for you, Austin? I'll be honest, I kept having thoughts 
pop into my head, but I try to label it thinking and move on to the next one. And yes. I feel like for a second I had it, but thoughts just kept coming. Good. <laughs> so you accomplished the first step, and that is coming to know the nature of your mind and not feeling like you have failed this, but that you've learned that this is the nature of mind. And each moment then gives you an opportunity to come back to that focus. It's not about blocking thought. It's about being able to see and come back to that place of focus, that deep awareness that is what meditation brings to us. Well, Dr. Kari, thank you so much for your time today. This was very informative, and I'm sure a lot of people got a bunch of great stuff out of it. Oh, thank you again for having me. Thank you. It was fun. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out more of our content by searching for Understanding Cancer on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review as this helps others to find the podcast. To learn more about us, visit DanaFarber.org.